My name is Claire Cooper. I'm a PhD candidate at the University of Durham and an early career fellow with the Urban Systems Lab, sponsored by the Natura Network. And I'm here today as your host on the Future of Cities podcast. To celebrate the start of the UN Climate Change Conference in the city of Glasgow in the UK, this month's podcast is about Every Tree Tells a Story, a brand new nature-based solution developed by Glasgow City Council and the University of Strathclyde. Every Tree Tells a Story aims to engage with communities to help people both reconnect with and value nature by sharing stories about their favourite trees. In doing so, the project hopes to help people gain a better understanding of what are nature-based solutions and the vital role that they play in the fight against climate change and reduction of biodiversity loss. And here to join me are Gillian Dick, who heads up the Connecting Nature team from Glasgow City Council, and Donna Hogan, an academic at the Institute of Future Cities at Strathclyde University. Thank you to Gillian and Donna for joining us today. Starting with you, Gillian, can you tell us a little bit about Every Tree Tells the Story and how it all started? Yes, yeah, so Every Tree Tells the Story came from an idea or an action that I saw in Melbourne where Melbourne put QR codes on their trees. The idea being that as people wandered around the city, if a branch was coming off or if it felt dangerous, they could zap the QR code, it would get them an email for that tree and they could write and say, this tree needs pruned or did you know this tree was dangerous? What Melbourne got was love letters to the trees. So when they opened the emails, what they got was, this is the tree where I met my partner. This is the tree I fell out of when I was five. This is the tree I touch on the way to work. So we're getting all these brilliant stories about trees and I kind of thought there has to be something there that we can do in Glasgow. Um, I had been batting around an idea with the title so I had the title Every Tree Tells a Story and a number of coincidences because during the pandemic so there was the Connecting Nature Summit where we invited people in from the general public because we were online to come and join us in the conversations and we had a bit of push through from Creative Carbon Scotland where they'd had some of the creators and we got an actor called Tandy Byrne appeared in one of our sessions and he wrote a message saying I want to get people hugging trees because it will be better for their mental health and well-being at the same time Strathclyde and, and Donna Horgan who's um, another kind of partner was saying we want to do we're doing some stuff in Broomhouse Park where we're talking to communities and children and we kind of went oh there's a bit of a synergy here so we had a bit of a conversation to say will this work have we got something here with the title of every tree tells a story Tandine Byrne wanting to hug a tree, what we know happened in Melbourne and the work that was already being done with the children in Broomhouse. And a couple of meetings in, we thought, yes, because we can look at a whole list of things that trees can do. We can tell stories about bigger, better, best proclamation trees, so trees that have been erected to commemorate things like the coronation or 60 years on the crown or a ship being launched or somebody being born or die or a war being won but there's also those connections to the trees that are the family connections Um, there's also the industrial connections in that trees were used to make boats Um, we're also aware because we connected to the Gaelic language part in um, Strathclyde that the Gaelic language is taught by connecting all the alphabet to trees 
So you connect it to the Gallic word for a tree that lines up with A, B, C, D, E, etc. Um, that led to a bit of discussion that thought we could launch something on social media and just ask people about their tree stories. Meanwhile, we made a connection to the education department who said, give us what you've got in the run up to COP26 because we can run with that. Strathclyde uh, colleagues did an education pack that said, we want to hear your stories, tell us the stories that you've got. And two weeks ago, so probably the beginning of October, they launched one tweet into the world. And within three days, Cada Primary School had produced a video and an Every Tree book and had managed to get that to the Lord Provost, which is our equivalent of the mayor in Glasgow. And the Twitter account has started a sort of bubbling. So we're hoping it will build that social momentum, but we can map the tree stories and we can capture the tree stories. So that's a kind of quick summary of it. Thanks, Gillian. I'd just like to move to, to Donna for a moment or two. So Donna, from your perspective, where did the Every Tree Tells the Story project come from? So I suppose this project comes from a bit of work that we were doing in the University of Strathclyde with the local authority, um, with Gillian uh, Dix Connecting Nature team. Um, and as part of that work, we were looking to scope out uh, the development of an urban wetlands on a redundant parkland in the northeast of Glasgow. And we realised, number one, how important it was to engage communities in, in, the, in the kind of design and in, I suppose, the development of nature-based solutions, but also that communities really needed to understand and and promote the value of nature-based infrastructure, uh, both locally and kind of out with Glasgow further in Scotland. We have a lot of policy in Scotland that enables communities to take control over their own infrastructure. And uh, there is policy around asset development, et cetera, that can really facilitate community engagement around nature-based solutions. But we feel, I suppose, that in the first instance, that there's a bit of upskilling and engagement kind of that needs to be done to get communities to understand, um, I suppose, the value that's right underneath their eyes in terms of the the, the nature that, that is here for us. So this project was very much around raising stories that are within the community, understanding the tacit knowledge and tacit resources that exist within neighbourhoods all over Glasgow, but uh, all over Scotland and, and to be honest, the world, and really interrogating, I suppose, some um, stories that are related to trees and, and our kind of, um, I suppose, our ecological development in light of where we are at the moment. And also, I suppose we have COP26 coming to Glasgow, of which colleagues spoken about um, and it felt like a really good opportunity to, to, to instigate a really agile, light touch project that was very much around just raising stories and raising the value um, that we have for nature within the community and, and getting the communities themselves to feedback into that. That sounds fabulous. It sounds like such an amazing project. So I understand from chatting to you both before about the project that there's going to be lots of emphasis on the role of trees as nature-based solutions. So nature-based solutions are projects that use or manage urban nature to create, manage, restore our ecosystems to help us not only adapt to climate change, but to tackle other issues like poverty, reducing flood risk. So how is Every Tree Tells a Story a nature-based solution? From our point of view, if you don't connect with a place, why would you fight for it? And the nature-based solution kind of stuff says that if you want to understand the impact of something, you need to understand the impact on society or the social connections, the social cohesion, health and well-being, economic environment and biodiversity all at the same time. So if you live in a place and if you live in some of our deprived communities, so if you look at an area like 
Pollock in the southwest corner of, of Glasgow. I'm having to I'm about to tell you it's southeast, but southwest. It's in a, a, a housing estate that's been there for about 80 years. It's on the edge of the city. It's surrounded by woodland. Uh, it's next to the Pollock Country Park, which again has a lot of woodland and was owned by Sterling Maxwell, who was uh, one of the founding fathers of the Forestry Commission. So you'd think there'd be a big buzz about trees. But what we find is our communities don't know whether they can go into the woodland, don't know whether trees are safe. They sometimes see woodland as dark, dank places where people hide. They see trees as dangerous because they hide, people can hide behind them or they uh, produce shadows that they can't see things past and it makes places dark. So, But on the other hand, if you're a child and you're allowed to go and play, the first thing you want to do is climb a tree or run around the tree or imagine that the tree is something else. So we thought, can we connect and get those stories out to make people feel more comfortable with the trees? And can we use trees to understand the social connection to communities? So rather than having it, oh, we don't want any more woodland, it's dangerous, it's making the roads slippy, I can't walk because of the leaves or the railways aren't running because the leaves on the track. It's can we engage with these positive stories about what trees mean to people and by finding out what trees mean to people find out what their community means so if we can engage so if you look at the example from CADA um, it's a very multi-ethnic school so they got lots of stories and they got stories from a lot of their community about their connection to trees the trees that they like the patterns they can make from the trees how it inspires their art the games they play around the trees, or just it's the place where they sit and wait for their friends. But we think there's a huge potential to get lots and lots of stories out of there and link into family history, link into possible nature-based enterprises you can do and link into an economic uplift. So if you can improve somebody's mental health and well-being or maintain it because they're engaging with trees, then they're probably going to be better academically. They're going to, their concentrations may be going to be better. They're going to have more opportunities to achieve. And they may also look at that and get inspired to do, I don't know, something in woodwork or come or making things or do a different type of skill set when they're older. All of those benefits, including the health and wellbeing benefits, are so important. But we also need to help people understand what are nature-based solutions. So Donna, from your perspective, how do you think every tree tells a story as a nature-based solution? And what's its role in terms of helping people reconnect with nature? So I suppose for us, and in the context of Glasgow in particular, which is a post-industrial city that has its own very unique heritage in terms of the last few hundred years, in terms of how it's contributed to the world development and sustainable development in one instance, but equally in terms of some of the, the less nice aspects of development globally. Equally, we have experienced that kind of the transition from being a city that really was very pivotal in producing kind of the engine of the Industrial Revolution, and that has had some negative impacts on both the transition and the decline of that industry here has had some negative impacts, social, environmental and economic. And I think that what has happened is that potentially we've lost our connection with nature to some extent, not only because I suppose we've had such an industrial development here in Glasgow, but I suppose generally within in the in the context of the whole planet. But at the same time, we have a really rich culture and a rich culture specifically around trees um, within the city that it felt like important to raise 
specifically voices from within the community themselves around some to tell some of those stories. For example, you know, in ancient times and, you know, laterally, certainly in the Gaelic kingdoms of these of these islands, sorry, a bit of a Freudian slip there, these communities that used to, I suppose, uh, be in the kind of west of Scotland and in the north of Ireland and other areas around here would have approached trees very, very differently. And they would have understand how integral trees and forests were to their day-to-day lives, both in terms of providing for them, in terms of providing food and shelter, but also, I suppose, being part of a kind of a wider infrastructure that connects into, I suppose, the seas. And I think that we've forgotten some of those stories. And maybe by remembering some of those stories, we might be able to develop approaches of how to live better with nature and how to, to design better with nature and develop, I suppose, infrastructure that supports our development as a society, but doesn't do that at the expense of our environment. And I think that that story resonates here in Glasgow, potentially because of post-industrial context, but maybe also because we have an older relationship with trees that really goes far into the ground, that the roots are, are quite, quite deep. So we see a real opportunity in storytelling aspects of this project to both raise the value and, and raise kind of, I suppose, our relationship with trees in the 21st century, but also uncover some of the, that wealth of knowledge that has been lost and some of tacit knowledge in terms of how we manage forests, but also how we make use out of trees uh, for, for, for public good. There are many different types of nature-based solutions that feature trees, including parks, urban forests, but nature-based solutions can also be community gardens or allotments, green roofs or green walls, or types of blue space such as wetlands and ponds. This might seem like an obvious question, but what type of nature-based solution is Every Tree Tells a Story, and what are the types of challenges that you are really trying to address through this project? So it, if you wanted to put it into one of the kind of social cohesion, health and well-being, it's definitely social cohesion, health and well-being. The thing that every project struggles with, with nature-based solution, is finding the lived experience in the environment that you are. So a lot of projects talk about, here's the economic return, here's the value, and they say it's going to save us X amount of miles on the car journeys because you're going to walk. But it doesn't talk about how people experience that intervention that you're doing and whether they wanted that intervention and what they actually want to happen with their community and sometimes if you say to people what's this space like they go oh well it's messy or it's this or it's got a couple of trees or it's that but actually if you get them to talk about a place and community you get a more vibrant conversation they talk about it's a place I escape to kind of get some downtime when work's getting me down or when I come out of school I deliberately go that way to walk home because I know I'm going through the open space and I know I'm going to see those trees or it's where I get rid of my energy so if I've got too much energy I want to go and swing from a branch on the tree or my dad built me a swing or a slide or I've got climbing roots on it but it's also about that opportunity because at the minute a lot of the things that happen in an urban environment with trees people feel is happening to them so they have a compassion and an affection for those trees and then suddenly we as a council for instance might come and remove those trees because they're in the way of a road route or they're at the end of their natural life or they're too big or they're falling over and if we don't have a conversation with people about them then they, they've got the shock of the change without and feeling 
feeling out of control. So some of this might be about giving them back control of being able to tell us which trees are important and why they're important. And then as a council, if we have to deal with ash dieback or managing trees, we'll have a bit of an alert that if somebody has alerted us that this is a tree they have an, uh, an attachment to because they've told us a story, we'll probably know that we need to do a little bit more on the social media or on the comms to explain to people what's happening and why, and maybe have some engagement with them about what we're doing. And if worst case scenario, we do have to take a tree out, well, maybe some of that will mean we think about what we do with that tree when we take it out. So do we donate it back to the community because they could use the tree to create a play space for people by chopping it up and using logs? Or do we it's high quality wood. Do we donate it to something to make something that the community could keep as souvenirs or a bench or something? Whereas what we normally do is just take the tree out and it goes to the log chipper and it's gone. And then they get a very small tree back in its place. So there's also that kind of having those conversations. What it will also do is hopefully if it gets some momentum, show us the areas of the city where there isn't that place connection, where we might think it's great for having lots of trees, but we're not getting any stories, we're not getting any engagement, we're not getting anybody, or we might get negative engagement of, I hate those trees because. It gives us that um, story that we can build a conversation on that's a positive conversation rather than a negative conversation that we can collaborate with communities and co-produce an outcome um, so we can look at things in a better way. It sounds very much like you're trying to well understand and change perceptions around trees and the management of trees and kind of encourage people to reconnect with trees. Would you say yeah. that's a... Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of think so. When we've looked, we, under the Scottish Government's legislation, most councils are now going to have to do a woodland strategy. But if you did a normal woodland strategy, that would be about the planning and delivery of the wood, and it wouldn't be about the stewardship or the long-term maintenance. be a little bit, but it would be seen as a problem. You know, where do we get the money to maintain these trees? What we're going to do with them and can we get a community to take them on and you can look at glasgow's website at the minute and there's a community asset register that has lots of dots on the map that says these open spaces or these woodlands are open for community engagement but it doesn't tell the community who else is engaged with those trees already what other ideas people have um, you kind of need to know and maybe through every tree we can start community conversations because if we get uh, the local primary school telling us about some of the trees and we get the old folks group telling us about the trees, we might be able to see a connection and synergy where we can put those two together. But it might also allow us to develop community projects. It might allow us to identify where the community might want to do a bit more management or hands on with those trees or where they might want a different spread of trees or where we can have a conversation about what other benefits those trees bring so if we can say to people we want to keep those trees because they're capturing carbon and therefore they're cleaning the air beside a busy road and maybe you'd want some more trees um, to capture more carbon and and clean the air a bit more but we can design it in a way that you don't feel enclosed or cut off or or scared that somebody's going to hide behind them or the, there's bits where we can look at how we can put trees in to slow water flow down um, to prevent flooding or to kind of stabilise soil. So there is bits where we, I think some of our colleagues have maybe not put trees in because it's seen as too difficult, too complicated, who's going to manage them. And we just need to have more intelligent conversations. But we're also missing out on and in real danger of 
taking trees out that people really value. If you look at the flip side of that, we, like most councils, manage a tree preservation order register. So that's meant to protect the trees of value. But it's been done very reactively in the last few years. So we've almost waited for somebody to turn up with the chainsaw and then somebody's found the council and we've slapped an emergency TPO on it without understanding what the value of the trees are. The one that's been proactive, uh, there used to be a zoo in Glasgow called Calder Park Zoo on the northeast side of the city. I remember going to as a child it was a bit scraggy and a bit run down by the the kind of um, early 2000s so the zoo had closed they were selling the land off they were going to do housing now I remembered there was tons of trees all over this ground because it had been for enclosures and all of the animal parks and the stuff that the animals needed and it was set up that way so we knew there were trees there and we knew there were trees that could require protection so we tested the water by putting a, a a group tree preservation order on it. The community went, yes, those trees we value, we want to see them. The developer went, I want rid of them. But actually, when we went through the process, we won that. And the housing that went in is now in a tree. It's almost sitting in a, a woodland area and it valued and the people that live there value those trees. But you need to know the stories of why those trees are there in the first place in order to protect them. We knew it because I'd visited the zoo as a child, as had some of my colleagues, and we went, we're sure there's trees there. It's those stories give us opportunities, I think. Yeah, those stories are so important, Jolene, for helping us understand how we can encourage people to play a more active role caring for our urban trees. Donna, if I can just come to you for a few moments. What do you see as the, the role of Every Tree Tells a Story in the context of nature-based solutions? Going back to the previous work that we had done with Gillian Dick's team and Connecting Nature as a stakeholder in the project we were looking at this urban wetlands project was that in essence, kind of urban wetlands are, for example, urban agriculture as a, as a single entity won't really do much in terms of our, the kind of the deficit that we have economically, socially, but significantly environmentally here. And that what we need to do, develop are really holistic solutions that integrate, for example, new nature-based kind of micro solutions such as urban agriculture with existing infrastructure and alongside them build our buttress kind of social enterprises and other activities that can kind of create a whole ecosystem and it's, it's probably systemic change that we're looking at here so itself this project kind of is a component within that ecosystem in one instance it's about education and about kind of knowledge exchange in another instance it's about engagement and really just bringing in communities to participate in thinking about some of, of these also as a kind of way into communicating to communities what nature-based solutions are at the higher level trees i think are the ultimate nature-based solution in terms of telling that metaphor um they perform a whole host of activities that often we're unaware of and that, that they're not given credit for, really. So I think that this is very much what we wanted to do with this as a component of, of a whole suite of tools potentially going forward. For example, we have colleagues in Glasgow who are also trying to tell and collect stories about the river and the importance of the Clyde in terms of the development of this regional ecosystem here in Glasgow. And I think all of these things together, almost like a suite of tools, uh, can help us engage communities to be part of, of how we think and, and re-envisage re, um, our future with nature. I think that we can no longer think of solutions that are purely kind of hard infrastructure or, you know, engineering-based solutions. We need to be working much closer to having holistic solutions that integrate, for example, the existing wealth of resources that nature itself brings and connecting that, I suppose, in to some of the other the other resources that we have, both human and economic and, and other, uh, to develop 
real holistic kind of long lasting solutions and not are, that are sustainable genuinely. So I think that the education piece and in particular the storytelling around that is, is critical. It's a critical first step. And I think that once we have built a kind of knowledge base within the community that they will understand, number one, the value of NBS as a way forward to prevent and to kind of, I suppose, make communities more resilient at the kind of at one scale, but also about how at a global level, all of all of these small things might kind of create a momentum um, towards, I suppose, more Im impactful uh, mitigation of, against climate change and, and other challenges that we have. You're absolutely right. The the educational piece around nature-based solutions and connecting with environmental histories and the knowledge that people have about different types of nature-based solutions and our existing green space and, and trees is, is so, so important. So you mentioned earlier a little bit about Melbourne and where the idea of every tree tells a story came from. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and perhaps how it might link with other work that's going on in relation to trees elsewhere yeah. in the world. So, so I suppose we can make connections and we have made connections to Kathy Oakey in um, Melbourne and some of the people that are involved there. They didn't realise they were starting a project. They didn't realise they were having a conversation about trees, but they got real value because what they've been able to do is map each time somebody's had an interaction with the tree. So they were going to map it anyway because they wanted to know for their maintenance schedules. But what they've got is this map of this glorious intervention of trees. They found trees that were put up for commemoration, for suffragettes, for people returning from war, for people lost who didn't return from war. And I think there is a connection there that we can build. And I think we're certainly reaching out to Melbourne and saying, can we have a conversation? But it also kind of relates to information that we found. So we found, or I found a glorious book called If Trees Could Talk, which was the story of Australia's greatest trees by somebody called Bob Beale. And it breaks down and we, I, we're, I quite happily admit, we've stole the categories because he talks about you need to capture the stories of the trees that are about to go. So the end of life trees. So you know the community is going to react to them, but can you capture pictures? Can you capture the story of why those trees were put in in the first place? They talk about trees with spirit and we've taken that in the Scottish context because the trees, the, 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 the Gaelic for whiskey is Uskaba, which is um, the water of life. And it goes into barrels made of trees and those barrels flavour the whiskey. So can we get the spirit and the stories around that flavouring and why trees were there, but also trees were cut down to build boats. Same kind of thing in the Australian context. But there's also the kind of in living memory, so the commemorative trees, the new trees or the immigrant trees. And I think what Melbourne found was they were picking up the hidden history of their city the people who had arrived as immigrants as 10 pound ponds. And the first thing they'd seen as they got off the boat or off the train, because they got off the boat in Perth and arrived in Melbourne, walk out the station, and there were some trees and they revisited that because that was their first view of Melbourne. And I think there's something similar that we can maybe unpick in Glasgow because we've got a lot of immigration, whether it's the old Irish immigration from 100 years ago or the Jewish immigration that came before that or the modern immigration from India and Pakistan and Bangladesh or the even up to date emigration sometimes trees give you a connection to your homeland so if there's trees in the collection and botanic gardens or some of the parks that might be unusual but you would see in I don't know Iran or France or somewhere those trees have a connection to people and it would be lovely to uncover those stories as well. 
Wow, that's that's fascinating. It's it's going to be such an amazing project. So we've just heard from Gillian as to where her ideas for Every Tree Tells a Story came from. So for you, Donna, where did you get your ideas and, and inspiration for the project? I suppose for me, um, it was very much through engagement with Gillian's team around that urban wetlands, initially where we started bouncing ideas. Um, I think that we were acutely aware of if there was an urban wetlands to be piloted in Glasgow, that the capacity building aspects of it and that engagement to the community to in order to evolve th- those concepts to the community so they can have full ownership over them was crucial. Uh, something else that kind of, I suppose, in my own research around social innovation in the built environment that kind of presented to me recently that I suppose brought me into this project was understanding that uh, historically, that in Ireland in particular, that kind of under the Gaelic system that we had Brehan law, which uh, protected the environment. So for example, example, depending on on a particular tree's contribution to society, for example, if it was a birch or an elm or an oak or that the length of time it took for, for this tree to grow and then its kind of productive capacities off the back of that, that there were penalties for the community in terms of what they did with those trees. So, for example, cutting down certain trees would have invoked significant more penalties than, for example, trees that, that didn't have such a big value to the community and, and to sustaining the community. And uncovering some of that knowledge made me understand that really there there is so much missing. There's so much that we used to know about trees and about our own our own NBS to an extent that we've lost. And not only in terms of how husbandry and how to take care of our environment, but also just the wealth and, and, and the protections that used to be around some of these and that we've lost. And some of the, the, those protections have been lost much sooner than we realise. In fact, probably most of them in the last hundred years or even less. So I think that we can still we can still get back to where we were and we can still rebuild those connections. And the storytelling piece, I think, is, is, is you know, very much part of that. I, I was completely unaware of that. And that's absolutely fascinating. And you're, you're so right to be able to share that, reshare that information and knowledge with people is, is, is so important. So what what have you been doing so far as part of the project? Because I know you're at a fairly early stage, aren't you? Yeah, so we've developed the kind of list that would power up the arse to say to people, tell us your stories. So um, there's been a Twitter account set up, which is Every Tree. Um, I'm sure the podcast kind of bit can put the, the kind of link somewhere on the information on it so that everybody can see it. Please speak to it. We thought we were starting a project about Glasgow, but we've already had people respond and say, I don't didn't live in Glasgow as a child, but I can tell you the stories about the trees I loved in Hong Kong. And we can tell you the stories about the trees that we loved in other places. Uh, our colleagues in Strathclyde, and I'm sure Donna who can tell you, have reached out to Nepal, who said, oh, we fancy doing this. And I, just to give you a bit of a laugh, was planting a tree at the weekend for Girl Guiding, which was replanting a tree to commemorate uh, the coronation down in Inverclyde, where I am. And we speak to the councillors in Inverclyde, and they said, oh, send us on this thing about every tree. So it has that bit of a momentum that although we thought we were starting a Glasgow project, it will have that momentum. But we We've done a soft launch so that we can get through to COP26. There's a brilliant education pack being developed that I'm sure Donna who can explain to you about it and what it's aiming to do, that the amazing kids at CADA Primary have, have run with and hopefully other schools will. Um, but we're, we're testing the water. So I think at the minute we're developing a kind of comms plan or a soft launch that will start asking stories and say, do you know where these commemorative trees are and can you see them? The other brilliant thing that's been done is Donna and I had a conversation with Tam Dean Byrne to launch um, where Tam talked 
vibrantly about the trees. And Tam's amazing because he's an actor and he works for the National Theatre of Scotland and he's been seeing a lot of things. But Tam's threatening or promising to write an Every Tree Tells a Story song. Now, whether that can be done uh, as a poem, spoken word poem, or whether he records it and sings it along with the kids, who knows? But there are all these opportunities. And it's, it's we've kind of said, we'll let it run and see how it bubbles. And we'll see what enterprise kind of stuff comes out of it. So colleagues of Donoghue at Strathclyde are in the um, business enterprise innovation. So they're saying, we think we're going to have to track for about two years. And then we'll see the business opportunities coming out of that. We're really very much aiming this project to be an agile project and for it to kind of almost grow wings of its own or, or leaves of its own. So we started very kind of small and we started with a toolkit that we built for schools in particular for schools to share with children to either in class or at home or in another setting, collect their stories from elders in their community or from their family members and begin to kind of be our citizen scientists. So starting with young people and with primary school students, we have developed a toolkit that has been tested in that community in the northeast, initially in Broomfield and then to Cadder. And now it's kind of going wider across the city of Glasgow. And that's our very first kind of step in terms of a soft launch for this project. I think off the back of that, we're very keen to just see what kind of stories come in. And it's a really call to action for people to take this idea where they want to take it. And we will support them in whatever way we can, if we can identify resources for spin out projects or for any other toolkits or anything that, that communities want to do around this, around specific trees, or if they want to, for example, you know, build out stories about a particular forest or a particular place in particular. But at its very core, that agility remains one of our biggest kind of USPs, as it were, that we don't want to overcloud the project with kind of too much bureaucracy in, a, in one way and that we're kind of just dumping or, or devolving the idea out to the community and allowing them to run with it whatever the way they want so we're very excited really just to see what comes back and in that iterative way we're happy to to work with any ideas and with any communities um, that want to develop it in any other direction and we're very very positive about that and, and happy to com contribute to that ideation that's amazing so you've told us a little bit about what's happening next so are there any ways that people can get involved I think if they can look for the Every Tree Tells a Story Twitter account, if you go on to YouTube and type in Every Tree Tells a Story Cada Primary, you'll find their superb video and get an understanding of it. And there is an open link to the education pack that can be used by any school or any group. And we'd love people just to engage. I think Strathclyde are going to try and tag on maps where we're getting those stories from so that we can build but at the minute best bet is look at the social media channels particularly twitter and and just tell us the stories join in with the conversation so where can people find out more about the project well the first thing the communities can get involved is potentially by looking at our uh, every tree social media and speaking to us there and reaching out we have on twitter you can follow, find us on at every tree uh, underscore you can also i think find us on facebook although that mightn't be fully live at the moment if you have any inquiries or anyone wants to find out more specifically they can write to us at every tree at strat.ac.uk so that's a strathclyde email uh, account dedicated around this project and we'd be very very happy to kind of field any questions there also um we're encouraged that anyone who, who wants to send in individually or as a group or as a community or as a school if they want to send, send in any stories they've collected about trees they can do so to that email address or they can tag us on Twitter just purely by using the hashtag every tree tells a story. Equally, you can use every tree. So that would be hashtag every tree or hashtag every tree tells a story. From there, 
the, the, the sky's the limit, really, Claire. We're very, very excited for anyone who sees value in this concept and applying it to their community or taking it wherever they want. And I think that we're just very excited about the wealth of stories that we've already started to have come in and some very su surprising things related to, for example, cooperage, related to trees that have a connection with emigres and people who and within the diaspora. We have already getting stories of very personal stories about kind of falling off a tree and people skinning their knee and some familiar parts of all of us who used to be very kind of up close with trees in our youth. I think that equally th there's an aspect of nostalgia of, of that. I think we forget how much we used to love trees as, as young people ourselves. And I think that beginning with the schools has allowed us to re-engage with some of that kind of love of trees without sounding kind of too cheesy or treesy, we'll, we'll say. But this has been very, very fun for all of us, I think. And we're just looking forward to seeing where this goes kind of going forward. Well, I think it's going to be an amazing and really successful project for, for that for that reason. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. It's been really, really fascinating to talk to you about Every Tree Tells a Story. And we will, of course, share all of those links. Thank you so much, Claire. Just to say a massive big thanks to our partners in the local authority and Gillian Dick in particular and her Connecting Nature team. We're really, really, really chuffed to have such great partners here in Glasgow and, you know, really keen to see other cities taking on board this concept too. So off you go. Well, I think we should leave it for there for now. Thank you to Gillian and Donna for joining us today and thanks very much for, to our audience for listening. If you have liked what you've heard, please don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcast app. And if you have any questions, please feel free to drop us a line on our our uh, Twitter handle, Future Cities Podcast. The Future Cities Podcast is an outreach effort brought to you by the Urban Resilience to Extremes Sustainability Research Network, or UREX as we usually refer to it. To learn more about Eurex, visit www.sustainability.asu.edu forward slash urban resilience. If you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at futurecitiespodcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at futurecitiespod. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.